What's everybody? Uh, <laughs> and we're going to try that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Broadcasting in Black and White. As always, I'm Joe Masiri here with Kenton Young. Yo. And our guest today, Dexter Henry. We'll get to that in just a second, but obviously a couple different firsts here. Uh, you might notice we're on location today. We are broadcasting from Burger Bistro. So if you hear some sounds in the background, that's what's going on. They have three great locations on the Upper East Side and Park Slope, and we are currently at their Bay Ridge location. They've got two million types of burgers, so if we're chewing in between, well, you know why. <laughs> also, we have a video podcast with this, so you can check out that on the website and the blog. It'll be up there so you can actually see what we look like as we're doing this. And, and you can see me sip on my wine. Sipping on wine. So another first for us, we will be doing this podcast with <laughs> wine, and we have our guest with us in person today. So we are jumping right into it. Dexter, thanks so much for being with us today, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Right. Very excited to be here. Very now, excited. Dexter, one of the things that we're noticing when it comes to this podcast is the theme of hustle comes up time and time again, <laughs> and you are definitely a hustler. So you do work for Nets Daily, yep. you're freelancing at News 12, and you've also started your own company, Backpack Broadcasting. Yeah. How is it managing all three of those? And there's a fourth. I also, oh. I'm also the part-time new media coordinator at St. Francis College. So, oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah, right. it's, it's a lot. Um, I'm by my route, I'm West Indian, and we stereotypically have a lot of jobs. Uh, yeah, I'm 10 job, man. <laughs> yes, 10 job. From? Grenada. Hola. Yes. <laughs> Kenton barely had any wine yet, so this is going to get really interesting. So, but you know what? It's great. I love it. I love the flexibility. I love somewhat being able to control some of my own content, and it's just a diverse plethora of experiences that I get to experience through different things. I love it, man. I wouldn't have it any other way. All right, let's start with backpack broadcasting. Yeah. Take us through what exactly is it for people who might not know, yeah. and how'd you come up with the idea, and why'd you want to start it? Yeah, so the first part for people who may not know, backpack broadcasting is a news outlet, uh, news and sports. It started off with just me doing it by myself, one-man band journalism, um, and just creating my own video content, and it kind of shifted over to covering a lot of high school sports, and now what it's evolved more into part of the business model is doing live streaming of events and games, and I've been doing a lot of that in the last year. How it started... Um, yes, this is what I want to know, because yeah, I think yeah. anyone that wants to be an MMJ right now... Uh, <laughs> right, right. You know, it's not an easy job. Right. No. Not an easy oh, yeah. job. No. So for you to volunteer yourself to go out and do it on your own, Yeah, I think that's a big deal. What made you want to do that? The, the, the key was I was working for a couple of places and, you know, I worked at the New York Post as an online video journalist and then I worked for another company and while I was at that company, they told me that I would have opportunities to do more stuff on camera, to tell more stories in the sports world, as Joe knows. Yep. And I didn't get those opportunities. So a seed had been planted in my head a long time ago from my mentor, Jamoke Davis, who is a, uh, the video coordinator for the Washington Wizards. And he told me a long time ago, you need to start your own thing. Do your own kind of backpack journalism. So that's where the name backpack kind of came in there. But what I decided to do was create my own opportunity. Uh, and what I did was when I was going out to events, I was covering for this other company I was working for, I started shooting extra for myself and keeping for myself and doing my own packages. And I watched people who did packages. And that, that actually led to open up other doors for me. At first, it just started off me saying, hey, this is a way I need to get my reel out there and create a reel for myself. So I'm going to create my own stories, report, do stand-ups, do that kind of stuff. That was the really the, the genesis of it. Let me interrupt there just for yeah. a second because I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast, we're gearing this toward people who want to break into this business. Yeah. And you say that you know you kept a lot of that material or shot extra material for yourself. Yeah. Uh, how was that viewed in the company or was that something you had <laughs> to kind of go around? How do you think it would have been viewed? And also, when you had that material... Did you have the equipment to edit it on your own? Did you find friends who helped you with that? How'd that come about? Good questions. I had the equipment to edit on my own. Okay. Um, I, actually, what first happened was it wasn't viewed well in the company. They didn't know of it at first, even mm -hmm. though technically by contract as a freelancer, anything that they didn't use, I had the rights to use. Um, that they didn't use for themselves. They only owned whatever I sent to them and edited for pieces. Oh, that's um, good. So they knew that. And I did do the proper clearance. I want to let everybody know that. I went through teams that I was covering and told them what I was doing. So the teams were aware of this right. and knew this. Um, when they found out, the company did, was not keen of it. 
um, too much, and he told me, you can't do this on company time, which was a very interesting time in my life because I was kind of disappointed because I had to stop it. But what that did was I shifted to then covering high school sports here in Brooklyn, and um, I bought my own equipment. I didn't have my own camera at the time. I wow. went and bought my own camera, um, yeah. my Canon XHA1. That was my baby, my first baby. <laughs> I, I went and bought that. Um, actually, you know, my fiance, she was my girlfriend at the time, she really encouraged me to go and do that. And I started going out to local high school games that I, I had a relationship with and covering them and making my own packages. And that opened up the eyes of other people that were doing it too. So at that time in your career, this is one of the things that we talk to a lot of young people about, especially. Yeah. Cameras aren't cheap. No. Uh, you're making an investment, though. How hard is it, because money might be tight at that time, to make that investment in your career and in yourself, really? Money was tight at that time, yeah. and it was hard to make that investment. Fortunately, what I think what I would recommend for a lot of people do, it's amazing how much connections you have, and even in New York City, how small the journalism world and sports journalism world is. There was a guy, I reached out to a guy I knew who worked at MLB.com where I used to edit earlier on in my career. He knew another guy who was selling a camera. He was selling that camera for $2,000 and offered to give me a payment plan where I paid it off over wow, four months. That's great. So that was a huge help for me. Um, and that you know what, you happen. can find, sometimes you can find deals like that. If you look at, uh, look at places off the side or different websites, you might be able to find something. But you know what, that was fortunate for me. I jumped on that opportunity and and if you've got somebody vouching for you that, right. hey, this kid's going to go yeah, through on the payment helps. plan, that yeah. definitely helps no, a long no, way. No doubt about that. It did help. All right. So let's get bring it back to backpack broadcasting yeah. then. Okay. So now you've got your camera. You know, you're shooting your own stuff. It opened up the other t opportunities. When did you make the jump to actually start this company? When I made the, I made the jump, uh, I think that was when I officially went and started, it was November of 2010. I started kind of doing it. And one night I was in my apartment and my cousin came over. And I didn't have a name for what I was doing yet. Okay. There was no name yet. And my cousin said to me, I was trying to come up with a name. I said, it has to be something about backpack journalism on the go. She said, backpack broadcasting. And I said, that's it. So that day I made a YouTube page, a Facebook fan page, and made my Twitter account. Um, so that's what you started with, YouTube, Facebook fan page, and yeah, Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. I didn't even have a website then. Okay. Um, and that's what I started with. I just kept putting out content with that, with high school basketball. And a lot of, you know, I covered a lot of PSAL basketball here in Brooklyn, and a lot of people followed it. It was amazing to me. I couldn't believe how many people got attraction to it, and they were looking for it. They were impressed with the turnaround. Um, I think a lot of student athletes related to it, because I used to play basketball then in PSAL, and it really took off. And I saw it had a following, and... Uh, yeah, and then I said, you know what, this is legit. But I still didn't know where I wanted to go with it. All I wanted was somebody to see that I was out there reporting and that I could report and I could create packages. And this was my way to hone my skills. That's really all I cared about at the time. I didn't look at it as a business. Yeah. And you've taken that two ways now. You've mm -hmm. taken it to turn it into other jobs for yourself. And yeah. then kind of they feed each other. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that yeah. symbiotic relationship the, you've got? Yeah, the first real, I feel like, opportunity that came for me directly from Backpack Broadcasting was Nets Daily. Um, and I love doing my reporting for Nets Daily. How that happened was my same mentor, Jamoke Davis, has a relationship with some of the SB Nation blogs, which Nets Daily is a part of. And he said, why don't you try to report for Nets Daily? I'm forgetting what the Knicks one is called here in the city. But I reached out to Nets Daily. They saw my Backpack Broadcasting. Well, they said, hey, I like you. And a guy named Robert Windrum, who runs the site, told he wanted to meet with me for an interview. They met with me. They said they wanted to bring me on, and I've been reporting for them ever since. And the other opportunity that came about from Backpack Broadcasting was News 12. Let me just apologize to people who are listening. Going in and out, we've got a cold night out here and a slamming door, so that's the noise you're hearing in yeah. the background. It's not it's, angry folks. Yeah, <laughs> and they're not beating the, the chicken or something like good. that. <laughs> just Bur so you know. Yeah, burgers are definitely So great, anyway, yeah. I'm sorry. So that so that led to Nets uh, um, Daily and News 12. News 12. 12. Uh, News 12 actually from covering a lot of basketball and other sports I learned I met and got to know a lot of the guys that worked in News 12 in the sports department and they saw my work um, and then some of them even knew me from when I did started working at St. Francis as well too and uh, Pat O'Keefe the sports director in the Brooklyn Bronx News 12 he wasn't aware that I had reported um, he saw me one time doing a stand-up and I was like yeah I report and he was like oh you saw some of my stuff and he's like it's pretty good and they brought me in for an interview for okay. a position that I actually didn't get and they, they, they really liked me as a finalist, and they told me that if anything ever opened up, they would keep me in mind. And they did. A year later, a freelance opportunity opened up, and I started doing some reporting in Brooklyn, Bronx, and I also do some in New Jersey in their Friday night football show. So that really all came about because of backpack broadcasting. If I didn't create my own reel, if I didn't create my own opportunity, that never would have came about. 
This story is amazing. Like, yeah. I'm just in awe. I'm sitting here like, like uh, do you know where Pat saw your uh, initial stand up or where he? I, yeah, I was I was working for Nets Daily that night and I was um, I was on the floor of the Barclay Center doing a, a post game rap and he came over to me after and said that he didn't know that I reported. He thought I just shot. He had no idea. And then he asked me to send him his stuff, my mm-hmm. stuff, and I did. Um, and that's how that came about. That's awesome. So just a yeah. note to anybody listening, if you do something, if you show somebody that you can do something, then you do it, and they might take you on. Yeah, I mean, I think I think sometimes people may not know what you can do. I, I think the lesson I know, Kenton's saying he's amazed by the story, and sometimes I think back about it, how crazy it is that everything fell into place. And I don't think it's by chance, but mm-hmm. I think that you have to put yourself out there and not be afraid to put yourself out there and put content out there. And the way things are so available to put content out there, yeah. we've got to keep doing it because pe- there's people out there that want the content. Man. Especially right now. Oh, because yeah. One of the areas that you said you were focusing on was the high school sports and yeah. those types of things. Now, are you actually broadcasting some of these games live? Now we are. That's crazy. Tell yeah. me about how you're able to do that now. That's a good story too, man. And are you doing this by yourself? No, I'm not oh, okay. doing it by myself. Okay. That would be almost impossible. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, let, let, let me say this to this. Could you do it by yourself? Yes. Could you do it to the level of quality that I expect to do it? No. Right. That, okay. that, that would be the answer. How that came about, that Joe asked, right. is that um, also at the time last year, I was working for a company um, that I left, and I was not happy at the company. I was doing, like, some video production work for them. And I've learned how to produce live streaming of games while working at St. Francis. That's primarily what I do there. I produce their live stream content. A student Danielle, of mine. you can bring them. You can bring them on here. We we obviously got some food, being that we're here at, at Burger Bistro, so we're waiting. I actually, I mean, don't judge me too much here, but I, I went with the tuna burger. It's, tuna burger. It's, it's, it's delicious. So we Kenton, got a little bit of room what did you over go here. With? I'm gonna move the wine I out of the way. Beef with fried egg. And what else good. did I get, Daniel? Cheddar cheese and caramelized onions. Yeah. But I went healthy with the salad. Yeah. Healthy ah. <laughs> with the salad. Do you guys need anything? So uh, don't judge us too much here. Thank While you. we're doing this, I figure we should let Dexter take a bite because his his is I'm getting cold that. over there. He I'm got the take a bite. he got the turkey burger. So I feel bad because he does most of the talking. We're going to be able to sneak in a couple bites along the way, I'm sure, while we're entertained, um, as we have been, obviously. <laughs> and it's very good. Well, maybe uh, I'll take some pictures here. We'll put them up on uh, Instagram and the blog as well for all the foodies out okay. there. Um, but anyway, when you're done with that bite, pick that up again for me. How, how do you do the, the live events to the level that yeah, you Yeah, so what I was saying was I worked as, I do this at St. Francis College, and I produce the live streams of games for all the different sporting events. And uh, one of my students, actually I will credit him, his name is Gregory Alcala. Okay. He really pushed me and said, hey, you're doing this, and you cover these high school sports. Why aren't you doing this yourself? You know, you have all this. And he really was adamant about me doing it. One night, he really told me, like, Dexter, you have to do this. I love it. And you know what? I thought about it more, and I wasn't happy at this full-time situation that I had. And I decided to say, you know what? I'm leaving this, and I'm going to do this. And so what I did... How scary was that? Very scary. Yeah. I, I was recently engaged. Um, oh, wow. We were making plans to do a lot of stuff in our lives. Myself How did and she Oh, she was scared. She'll tell you that. But she was supportive. Okay. You know, and, and, That's and, great. You really and, need that. Yeah, you know, my fiance Marguerite has been extremely supportive of me in every step that I've made in my career. Good job saying her name. You need that. I had to. <laughs> I had to. Um, to you, Marguerite. <laughs> so, you know, she was very supportive, but I think Joe asked a question because I don't want to put a, put a story out there that, oh, this was great. This was easy, and I just jumped into it. Yeah. It wasn't, um, but it was worth it. I felt freer. I was happier. Um, I had more clarity to go into this. And what I did was I had a relationship with CUNY Athletics. I used to do some video for them. Um, And I knew that they were streaming through another company, not streaming, but broadcasting their games. And I reached out to them and said, hey, you guys are streaming. What do you pay for streaming? I could give you a lower cost alternative. And the guy guy was very interesting, undercutting. Uh, (laughs) I I look at this as a business opportunity. (laughs) Listen, you'll make friends in some ways. You might lose some friends along the way, too. But but they were were intrigued by the idea, and they really wanted to see the quality. And they brought me on to do, this was in February of last year, and they brought me on to do uh, their basketball semifinals over two days. And I did them, and they loved it. Um, and I, that led to doing some more work with them this season, which has gone well. Um, so that was the genesis of it then. That's how it started out, Joe and, and Kenton. That's what it started, yes. You mentioned the undercutting. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. 
some technological advances that mm-hmm. have helped you do that. Can you talk about what it is involved in uh, the technology aspect in the tools that you're using to put these on? Yeah, I mean, I think I think what it is with live streaming is you have a couple options. You have there's a lot of more mobility that you can do with right. it. If people, a lot of people like to use TriCasters, which are amazing. That's what I use at St. Francis. There's a program I use. My, I basically have a switcher through my MacBook Pro okay. on a program called Wirecast. And that's how I do That's how I produce all my live streaming. There are good things about that, and there are limitations about that. The TriCaster can give you a Wirecast cam. But as long as you have, you know, a couple good cameras, uh, a good switching program, and a strong internet connection, which is key. Uh, if you don't have that, you can't get anything done. And and a, a crew of people that can help you, like skilled shooters. So what I do is I've recruited a lot of my students from St. Francis. They're, they're the people that work that's, with me. That's fantastic. Um, and they're great. I have a great team uh, of, of students that work with me that believe in the process of what we're doing. So how many people yeah. do you need to get that job going? Effectively, I would say a minimum, depending on the sport and how many cameras that somebody asks us, the most we can do is three camera shoot. Okay. So at most, we're using four to five people, including myself, gotcha. to get it done. Um, I so use three camera ops. Ops, somebody else who's helping to produce or do graphics okay. um, and watch the stream. And usually, I, sometimes I'll have a social media manager, too. Nice. I've had somebody do that, too, to update on scores on Twitter and, and tweet stuff out. So and graphics are done live? That's yeah, that's done live, too. Beautiful. So we have, if you look at our broadcast, we have live graphics. We have a clock. Um, sometimes you've seen streams and no disrespect to anybody else. It's just showing the game, but there's, we have announcers that's play-by-play in color, so it's just like an actual broadcast. We that's this is what we actually do. Um, it's not just like an actual broadcast. It is, it is an actual is. broadcast. <laughs> it is. And it, back in 2010, when I started backpack broadcasting, I did not think I would be doing live streaming. So it's interesting how things I took from St. Francis that opportunity. And a student there kind of nudging me like, you should do this. Um, it, it's really crazy how things work out. But like I said before, nothing's by chance, man. Yeah. Nothing is. You made sure that student got all A's, right? <laughs> the board. Yeah. Well, well, I have student workers. I don't teach yet. It's something I want to do eventually. Right. But, but you, you talk to the yeah, teachers. I, I talked to a couple of and said, yeah, you got to take care of him. <laughs> so, yeah. Is it... Is it- I'm really stuck on this live streaming thing. Is it something that you would consider easy to do? When you first got introduced to it, mm-hmm. was it, you know, complex? Or did yeah. you say, wow, this is, I could, I could easily do this? Or, you know, there, was a, there was a lot I knew because okay. of my knowledge of video and, and working as a one-man band and having produced a lot of stuff. I think you get a lot more knowledge there than you might realize. So I'm grateful for the stuff, the opportunities I've had before, editing, shooting, even before I was in front of the camera. Um, and when I learned all the stuff about streaming um, through being trained at St. Francis, it was a little overwhelming at first. I got to definitely it? say, yeah, because it was a lot. You know, there was a there were things you had to make sure are right, and you you also have to deal with uh, play by play and color talent, and that taught me a lot about managing personalities and how to deal with people and making sure that they're right because a lot of it is catering to them too and making sure they're okay. What had the biggest learning curve for you? Was there something that, because you mentioned the skill set that goes into one man banding so you had a lot under your belt already. What was the newest thing to you that took the most learning? The newest thing I think to me was the intensity and the amount of preparation mm-hmm. that you had to do beforehand. Here, beforehand, yeah. You know, I think it's just like even like this, like setting up the show and, and doing doing a podcast. You got to check the audio. You got to make sure your color temperatures are right. You got to make sure this, you know the sound is okay. Your graphics are good. Just making sure you have all the rosters for the lower thirds. There are things like that that are required of me. It's not you just don't go up and show up and stream. Right. I'm glad that people can hear this because I think sometimes people need to appreciate the work that's behind what you do. Um, I think people, when they see it, they appreciate it. Um, I think the feedback's been good, and I think we're learning. And every stream that we do, we learn more about what we need to do better uh, for the next stream. So we just upward and onward, man. The talent that you use, where do you find them? Man, all over the place. I've Because I've also done some play-by-play in color, I sometimes have done play-by-play in color myself. Okay. But depending on the scale of the event, I try not to do that because I have some students that will produce, and then I'll do the play-by-play. But recently, um, I've used some people like from MSG Varsity. I've used John Perez recently, Beautiful. a guy. I've used some people I know from the work with me at St. Francis. I've People from other outlets. You talked earlier before how we all have to sort of come together and work together. So I like to use people from smaller outlets who are also looking for other opportunities and are willing to be part of the the team or, or program. I like that. And also because one day somebody's <laughs> going to see them on Backpack Broadcasting and say, oh, I didn't know you did play-by-play. The yeah. same way Pat saw That's you right. and said, oh, I didn't That's know right. you yeah. reported. I think I try to do the same thing. I'm grateful for the opportunities people have given me. And, and I'll be, you know, something I didn't mention was when I started Backpack Broadcasting and just beside promoting myself, what I did say I wanted to do was give opportunities to other people to help other people because I think that's very important in this industry and sometimes people can be like oh I don't know if you can go there and if you right. can help people out I think tons of
tons of people have helped me out when I met them, and have given whether it's advice. Um, and I think that's very helpful. And I honestly, that's one of the inspirations for this podcast is because it's people don't know who to talk to and all, all the time people, you know, you get yeah. calls from students here and there and you give them your time mm-hmm. and obviously, but sometimes this way you can just reach so many more students, so many more people who are in the business just staying up on the cutting edge trends because people who have been in the business a long time sometimes don't understand how the technology has changed that allows you to do what you do because they get lost in it sometimes. That, I think getting lost in that in the business um, was always kind of my fear. Mm. I kind of saw when I came into the industry that that was happening to certain people that was older than, older right. than me. Mm. And I think you always have to have different avenues, which is why I applaud this podcast yeah. because what you guys are doing is another avenue, another outlet. It's another way for other people to get content. And those things are so important today um, because there are people looking for this. There are people that want to know, hey, what can I do? How do I create my own opportunity? And we, we should be inspiration to those people to do more. Yeah, and I, I think there's two types of people, and I think, Kenton, you'll attest to this in your experience, probably more so even than other sides of the business. Uh, there are people who are willing to learn and know that change, especially in a business that revolves around technology, yeah. the change is the only constant. And you either learn or you dig your heels in. Right. And there's two different types of people. And clearly, you are the the former who is going to learn and adapt right, and, learn, and, and do that. And those are the people who we find the most end up thriving and, and going the furthest in this business. And what's the best part is you're paying it forward. Yeah. I, yes, it is. And yeah. I think that's... Fulfilling. Fulfilling. It's, it, there's nothing... Two weekends ago, I did uh, two live streams. And it was very tiring, and I was tired, but nothing feels better than creating your own content, even if it's out of your time with everything else you have going on. There's no better feeling than that. Like you said, Kenton, it's very fulfilling. Absolutely. That high school kid that's playing on that court that, you know, probably may not see any type of a TV play or whatever, they can now call their cousins, call whoever, and say, hey, log on to this website, and you can see me play that. They feel important. They feel like they're actually doing something you know what's you know what's crazy about that is you saying that is that in the last after this last stream I did I did these two games, I posted highlights on Facebook, and I did a little Facebook ad promotion with it, and it really got out to a lot of people to, nice. to see what I did. Like I tell people a lot, if you can do Facebook ad promotion, it's definitely worth it. Trust me. It's <laughs> All right. Even if it's like five bucks, that? we've had our toe. We've yeah. had our toe. In the water. Even if it's five bucks, it's it's definitely worth it. And a lot of high school kids reached out to me and sent me messages. Hey, man, like, like what you're doing. And now I have kids asking me, can you come to my game? Like next week, they're like, can you come to my game? And I'm like, it, you know, I can't come in that short of a turnaround. But the fact that they liked the content, appreciated it, right. and, and what was developed out there, I think it's fine. I'm hoping that people that see this content, other leagues, high school leagues, start seeing the way it's open for more people to view the product that they put out there. And I, go ahead, kids. What I like, what I saw on your site, Someone wrote in and said, hey, I like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. How can I come? Do you need an extra shooter? Do you need extra yeah. anything? How can I be a part of yeah. your team? Yeah. You know, that's... That's, that's happened. Really it's, cool. it's happened before. It's happened to other people. And those people have come become a part of the team. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend, my little cousin, he's come and helped me out a couple times. He has a friend who just likes to shoot basketball. Mm. And he asked me to be a part of it. And we welcome that because... Nice. Those, I want those kind of people that are passionate and create opportunities. And, and, and you yeah. may not be teaching at St. Francis, but you are teaching those people when they come on the team. That Absolutely. is an on-the-job learning yes. experience. You know what? You know what's funny? And at St. Francis, I kind of am a teacher. Yeah. I think my student workers that work under my program, they look at me that way. And I, and I think there's a great responsibility with that. Um, but I do teach them a lot about broadcasting and, and life. And I try to tell them things like this. I want them to go create their own stuff. Yes. You know, not just be with me forever. Yeah. I love them for what they do, but they got to do their own thing too. You know, and I think the market that you're hitting is really interesting because high school sports have a great following and a growing following yeah. even throughout the country when you look at it. I mean, there's always been the tradition in smaller markets that don't have professional teams to follow their high school teams, be it Friday Night Lights. When I was right. in North Carolina, I remember mm-hmm. Trot Nixon, you might know that name from the Boston Red, Red Sox. Sox, but he was actually a quarterback for New Hanover mm-hmm. County when he was growing up in Wilmington, North Carolina. So he came on and he was the host of our sports show and the following that we got because he was doing our fifth quarter, which was the football show on Friday night, just was huge. In New York, that tends to get lost a lot of times because you have almost, I mean, you have two 
professional sports teams in every major sport, yeah. uh, and now forget about major sports in every sport, and then right. some. Uh, it's growing, so there's definitely a demand for that, and and you know you get the kids who want to see themselves. Yep. You get the parents who oh, want to yeah. see themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, who want to see their kids, I should say. Mm-hmm. Or maybe some, some of them want to see themselves. <laughs> some of them want to see themselves too, and I'm not right. mad at them for that. Right. And then you've also got, I mean, listen, parents, paint your chest and go to these games. <laughs> right. you we'll put you on. Um, and then, you know, but then, of course, you've got the students who want to be involved with this who then say, hey, look, I, you know, you, it's just more to get around that sports team, which helps create that pride around your school and, and everything involved in there. So there's definitely a, a market and an opportunity, and I think that's awesome. I'm going to kind of you walk a line here a little bit yeah, because sure. teaching what you teach your kids uh, who come work for you, your student workers that are learning on the job, as you said, you're a teacher. Yeah. And, I mean, look, you went to Pitt, right? Yeah, you, University of Pittsburgh. You, yep. All right, I won't hold that against you since I went to Syracuse. Yes, we beat you the other day in basketball. Nice win, right? Which is, Let's go Pitt Listen, Panthers. we're having some very rough times Issues. when it comes we'll to sports back. overall. <laughs> we won't get into that. You guys can all Google what happened with Jim Payheim and that suspension and going I'll, I'll, back. I'll leave you alone, Joe. I love right. you, man. I won't thank, bother you. Thank you, thank you. Um, so, I kind of wanted but, to see the fight. I'm not yeah. We're battling out on the mics. <laughs> anyway, um, so no, when it comes to teaching those students and who are getting on the job training and your own experience, yeah. Hmm. Talk to me about the pros and cons of both the book learning that comes mm. and the classroom learning and the practical out in the field learning when it comes to this business. If you're asking the right person, yeah. uh, I mentioned this person before earlier in this uh, show, and I mentioned my mentor Jamoke Davis works for the Washington Wizards. He is one of the most important people in my life as far as broadcasting because when I went to the University of Pittsburgh, which is not a broadcasting school the way Syracuse is, which is another thing, and I heard you guys talk about this on other podcasts, you don't have to do that to, once you get in this industry, nobody cares. That's right. Um, And I I think it's about the work you put in. But he started up a sports, basically, network, Panther Sports Network, at Pitt on the TV station. And uh, when I went to Pitt, I was not going to do broadcast journalism. I was gonna, I was actually going to be uh, into sports medicine. Oh, okay. and I, this is, I think this is breaking news here. Yeah. <laughs> but I always loved journalism. I just never really tapped into it as much. I wrote for school papers and stuff like that. But when I saw these guys on TV just sitting around talking sports, I was like, man, I could do that. And I went to a meeting and I started doing that. The reason I bring that up, Joe, is that I love my education at the University of Pittsburgh. Great. Love my time there. Um, but the best stuff I learned was working for Panther Sports Network right. with Jamoke Davis, with the team people. That's where I learned how to shoot. That's where I learned how to make a package. Oh, that's where I learned. Training, that's where I covered pit basketball. I, had my, I started my own basketball show. I did it for two years nice. with my co-host, Matthew Grubba. We did that. And I, what I try to tell kids, what you're alluding to, is that there is no, nothing better than on-the-job training and that experience. There's no substitute for that. The classroom's great. And I had some great professors, too. But the on-the-job, on-the-skills, interviewing players, uh, traveling. I went right. to NCAA tournament. I went to bowl games. I did all this stuff. You know, I went down to WVU for the backyard brawl. Stop rubbing it in, yeah. all right? You <laughs> know, I, just I because Syracuse, Syracuse didn't I came, I, came, I came to Syracuse yeah. at the carry dome, and your fans were a little unruly to us. I'll, I'll leave oh, it I'm back. sorry to hear that. Listen, Syracuse fans, college fans in general, please, you know, keep it classy no matter where you are. We had a bad experience when we went to West Virginia. Well, I won't speak you know. about West, West yeah. Virginia. I don't have much good things to say about anyway, West Virginia. Anyway, we thing. digress here. So anyway, it, it provided you with a, a ton of opportunities. With a ton of opportunities. And I think what you're alluding to and what I try to tell my students is get that hands-on experience. They learn working at St. Francis um, with the stuff we do. They learn a lot of technical experience. I try to have my students move around in different areas. So don't just learn how to shoot. That's right. If you, you don't just learn to be in front of the camera, learn what to do behind the camera. Yeah. Because if I didn't have the opportunity to learn to do things behind the camera, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have opened up other doors for me. And let me tell, the, tell you this. You know, one thing that I get and... and Maybe I'm being presumptuous here, but I feel like I have a very good rapport with a lot of the photographers and editors and producers that I work with because I've done all that. I've walked in their shoes, and so I understand when you ask a photographer to walk through Central Park with the camera on their shoulder that they're not going to like you very much. Let's work smarter before we have to work harder. So you walk in their shoes, or producers getting in your package early so they're not sweating, hey, is this going to make it for deadline? 
knowing how to do those other jobs, at least a little bit, because, you know, if, if you eventually get to a point where you can't specialize the way some people have, but knowing at least a little bit of what they're going through definitely helps you be more liked around... As a photog, I'm going to yeah. co-sign that. You're <laughs> yeah. absolutely right. If you're coming mm-hmm. in and I know you picked up a camera, I know that you produced, I know you have that background, mm. I'm going to... I tend to listen to you a little more, or listen to your opinion, or take your opinion. And then when somebody says, oh, did you get that shot? Most of the time the answer is yes, but you know it's coming from a place of good nature. Or you know, hey, yeah, Kenton got that shot. I'm going to write to that shot when the video comes out so that that's when TV comes alive and the advantages it has over radio, you know, radio, Mm -hmm. because you marry the pictures and the words. You know, that was the one thing that in school was hammered home to me Mm. that still took a while to sink in when I actually got into the business that if you marry your words to the pictures it makes a story come alive in ways that others don't and it makes the photo mm. feel better because you you now feel like you're working with someone that has a vision yeah Yeah. you know they know where if they're asking you to get that shot it's because they already envision how they're going to edit that shot into the piece but I think when you're doing that stuff especially with one man band it allows you to always think that way and that's always good so that being said obviously the value of hands on experience what was the best thing you learned in the classroom though that you used out wow that's a good you know what I'd have to say the best thing I learned in the classroom was my broadcast writing class I thought that that made my writing more concise sharper uh, for my packages and things I did and and I really always took that with me too. And other things I would say is sometimes some media theory stuff I, I learned too because that made me start to realize what it is that people want really and, and giving them that content. I think a lot of times think people think just putting content out there instead of giving people what they really want. And I think that's ever so more important nowadays with the way media is online. Yeah, I think that's interesting because a lot of traditional journalists struggle with that. And a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of students come out of school too with that theory in their mind of, oh, I'm going to change the world and I'm going to be a traditional journalist because that's what they learn in school. Yeah. And and there is there is a fear, even on my part, of... of you know, the tail wagging the dog mm-hmm. and, and we, you know, was us putting more Kardashian on the news because that's what people want and that's what people are watching. But the fact of the matter is today with so many options, if you don't give people that, they will find what they want, right. which is good and bad because it creates a, an opportunity to access the content that you want when you want it in ways that you never have before. The problem is if a person wants to consume their lives with Kardashian, then so be it. Sorry, Kim. I, yeah. yeah I, I, and it's funny. And she is listening. I, 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 don't, I don't ever judge those people. Uh, it's not my choice of content to either produce or put out, but I'm not saying there isn't a market for it. Right. Um, you know, I, I just totally relish the fact that there is an opportunity for people to come and listen to a podcast like this or watch a live stream that I produce or a live event uh, that I would produce, no matter what it is, whether it's high school sports or a speaking engagement or something like that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's great. I think it's great for what people can consume as far as media. Yeah. I want to go back for a second because yeah. you mentioned that when you started this, there were three things you had. You had your YouTube, your uh, mm-hmm. Twitter, and your Facebook. Facebook fan page, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So with those three things, you know, obviously that was a, a focus for you. But how important do you see social media being now in journalism, broadcasting, and sports? Super important, except <laughs> I, I struggle. I'm going to be completely honest with this. I yeah. struggle with, po- I should post more. <laughs> like, right. You know, I should, and I struggle with that sometimes, too, and I think I don't think enough, like, oh, I should be posting this, I should be posting that. I try to do it more. I've, I've used Instagram more for my, for my business. Um, you know, Twitter is great to get updates out there. It connects yeah. things. It connects stuff with players. Mm-hmm. Facebook, as I said before, with advertising is a real good thing, especially doing mm-hmm. video or audio out there. Um, I think it's important because it's your marketing tool. Um, you know, I, st- I do think sometimes stuff on social media can become oversaturated and people post too much stuff, but I do think it's a great marketing tool. It's a great way to get your stuff out there. And it's a great way to connect with other people. It's the direct connect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It is, it is the direct connect. Yeah. And I think you have to use If you don't use it, you're lost. You're, you're already lost. You can't get by without, without not using it. Um, yeah. You have to use it. So now, Mike, for you, given the fact that you're in this market hitting the basically 14 to 25 range a lot. Uh, Is what 
platform do you find that you get the most response on from people? Mm. Where's the most interaction for you? Mm. Right now, the most interaction is on Facebook. Ooh. Interesting enough, when I post up on Facebook. That's, pay- that's, in- that's really interesting because yeah. you hear a lot of times about, oh, mom's on Facebook, dad's on Facebook, and that there's kind of this mm-hmm. removal from Facebook a little bit for a younger generation. At least I will say with live streaming high school sports, I'm intrigued mm-hmm. to see how it works with other stuff we start to live stream. Um, I'm starting to try to do. Can some you tell us some yeah, of those, sure, or are they yeah, top yeah. secrets? No, stuff? I can't. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, we're trying to start doing some some speaking engagements. Um, I also worked on producing a little bit of a web series. Uh, nice. Vakrina and Vogue. I'll give a shout out. There's three episodes of that out there. Say it again. Vakrina and Vogue. Vakrina. It's, it's a fashion beauty web series. I, I've worked on producing as well too. So it's not live, but as far as live streaming goes, like speaking engagement. So if somebody's having something where they're speaking, but everybody can get there. We're intrigued in doing that. How that'll translate to Facebook and Twitter, that'll be interesting. Sports is, in high school sports, I should say, is a little bit more niche and it's a little smaller connected. I have a lot of connections in that world through Facebook. So I think that's why it works best for me. So what content I put out there easily spreads and goes out because I have so many coaches and players that I've known over through the years and and have supported and and that's been very helpful. Beautiful, beautiful. But Facebook is good, man. Do you have one that you like the most? (laughs) To use? Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a good question. I would probably say, I think Twitter because it's shorter and I can get what I need to get out. So if there's like a game link right. um, and I'm like, hey, I'm doing a game this Saturday, I can tweet that out really quick and put the link and people see it or I can at mention a, a coach or a player or a team. Right. People seem to respond to that well too I, I, from, from what I've seen and they share that as well too. But Facebook's where I've actually seen the most activity. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, what piece of advice that you got somewhere along... I mean, I'm, I'm sure uh, your mentor is going to be trending on Twitter after this podcast, so I'm, I'm going to guess that it came from him. But what, what's the one piece of advice that has stuck with you most that time and time again you go, yep, that's true, in, mm. throughout your career so far? And this could come from anywhere? not Anywhere. So anywhere. Yeah. I, I, I have to credit... I'll have to credit my you know my parents a lot for that, okay. for this advice. Love and, it. And, and my dad and in that you just always work hard for what you do and what you believe in. Uh, believe in what you're doing, believe in the process of what you're doing, uh, something my parents have always taught me. And I think that's the best advice is, that has helped me because there hasn't always been smooth sailing times as we talked before. It wasn't always like I went from here to there. There were tough times, there were scary times. Right. You know, and but I believed in that and I believe in myself and I believe in the process of doing that. And I think if you believe in what you're doing um, and you constantly put out good quality work, right. It's all going to work out, man. It's yeah. good. Life is good. You should enjoy it and do what you love. You know, yeah. I, I, I earlier in the podcast, if you were watching the video feed here, I looked at my watch. I looked at that not because I was bored by the conversation or worried about anything. Honestly, I'm getting lost in the wine, to be honest with you. It's, it's uh, I feel like I should tell everybody. It's uh, Santa Alicia uh, Malbec. We should know. It's a 2014 vintage there. So we should know what we're drinking when it's wine, I guess. But no, anyway, I say, so I was looking at my watch, but I was thinking about how you were saying earlier that when it's your own product, it's something you believe in, you know, how exhausted you are after doing back-to-back broadcasts. You know, it's it's now before it was, you know, I think 9.30, we're going on here, uh, 9.45. But it's 9.45 on, uh, on a Monday night. When we're recording this, who knows when you're listening to it? Right. But on a Monday night, it's 9:45, and we're having a freaking blast. And I love you it. Know, drinking oh, yeah. wine, hanging out, talking about things that are important to us, and helping other people. Hopefully, at the same time. Yeah. That's a quality that that's hard to get other places. Yeah, it is. And I mean, maybe maybe at a certain time, people would have said, "Well, who's going to do that? Who's going to listen to a show with three guys <laughs> drinking right. wine right. and some brothers all watching too?" Yeah. Right. But you know what? I think when you're having engaging real-life conversations with stuff that can actually help people. um, And that's the other thing, too. I think you mentioned, Joe, that's very important is that the aspect of helping people. Yeah. And I do feel, I'm not saying that live streaming is changing the world. It's not going to change the world. But if somebody can be happy to see their son or daughter or a coach can see some film on somebody else or kids can see themselves in a way they can always go back and see because it's always archived and that makes them happy and people think the quality is good, that makes me happy. On that note, with what you're doing, competition from things like Periscope. Yeah. How do you view things like that? I love it. I welcome. I use Periscope. And you know what? Okay. I, that's one of the social medias I forgot, and I should have done it. I, I try to uh, use Periscope before games to get people little updates or before I have an announcement of like something that's coming up. I think Periscope is great. I think it's one of the best 
social media stuff that's come in the last couple of years. Now, I know where you're going because it's like, oh, well, somebody can just take their phone and live stream a game. That's fine. Don't knock that per that person at all. But I just understand that at Backpack Broadcast, and we offer you play-by-play -play announcers. We offer you multiple camera angles. We offer you a scoreboard. So if you want the complete broadcasting experience, you should come, you should come and check nice. us out. And it goes with the quality. Nice. That goes right. along with the quality. Yeah. Right. No disrespect to Periscope or anybody periscoping. Like, do it. because And I, and I appreciate supporting people who support that because it's another way for people to get out content. Yeah. I just always get concerned that people may devalue what other people do at maybe a little bit more or more of a level. Do you and guys yeah. feel that people still care about quality? Man, that must have both of you. I mean, no, that's, that's a great question. You know, that's, you know what I'm saying? that's a really because good that's question. Always, I mean, in, in I think we're questioning media. that a lot yeah. in journalism. I think we are. I think we're at this point where we're really we're testing it. That. We're testing it. I have to take a bite product. to buy time. <laughs> I, I, you know, Joe can probably say this. All of us can say this. Having worked in, in for a news station or within a news station, yeah. we're now seeing a lot of, you know, grabs from people shooting stuff on their iPhones. iPhones and galaxies and phones are shooting such great stuff right now. That's true. So it's funny because the quality is actually getting a little bit better. But I just want to say, I don't think that the person shooting an iPhone should be compared to somebody who's a professional photographer like Kenton here. I think that it's getting muddled a little bit sometimes. We have to be very careful about that. But I think the thing is everybody wants content now. And it's the immediacy to the content. And that's right. where I get a little concerned. So they settle. Yeah, there is a bit of settling. There is a bit of bit of settling, but I think, I believe this with any business. If you put something out there enough that's quality, that people, that it gets to their heart and they're willing to come back to it because they love it and they can respect that quality, Amen, they bro. will come back and see that. Once you start to dumb it down or downgrade your quality, I think that's when you sort of, you're sort of lost in the game already. So I have a theory in life, yeah. okay? And it's, it's make something for a million dollars that only a few people can buy and they want it just because of the exclusivity. Mm -hmm. Or make something like Silly Bands that cost how, you know, whatever it was, a dollar a pack or something like that, that millions of people, people will buy. buy. I say that to say... I think when it comes to broadcasting, journalism, production in general, mm -hmm. I think the middle ground is, much like the middle class maybe, is getting phased Dying. out. Yeah. Because people either want it right now, and they want almost raw, crazy, outlandish stuff. Right. Or they want that high-quality production. I think things like Netflix, HBO are doing better than ever with the quality they put behind their products. I think because you know, I mean, we have we have actors, directors on this on this as well. Um, so things like that, I think, are, are thriving right now. But so is the bottom of the barrel. I've said I've said that television has never been better or worse in history. I think than right now. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. So, you know, people sometimes want to turn their minds off. They want to see the real housewives. My wife watches it on a regular basis. Uh -huh. I meditate, you know. I got into that for 2016. <laughs> Whatever. However you turn your mind off. And I can, get stuck watching housewives. Right. Sorry to, <laughs> sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Fortunately, she's, pro she's probably watching it right now, right. so it's a respite for both of us. <laughs> uh, I don't watch any oh, of them. No. New, York, New, York, New York and no, Orange York, County, right, I think no. she watches. She watches Beverly Hills okay. and Orange County. I think so. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. Sorry, sorry right. ladies listening to the podcast. Yeah, you guys can start your own podcast. That's the beauty of this. You can start yes. your own podcast right. about the real house. And you'll have more <laughs> listeners than we have. Probably. For the, yeah, for sure. And that's no knock. No like, hey, there's people out there that want to hear that. Anyway, so yeah. So so I think, I think that, yes, I think that there still is a place for quality. I think that the quality stuff um, has as much value as... The, the the high quality stuff has as much value as the low quality stuff. I, th I think unfortunately some of that middle ground gets lost. Some of the things that are just on the cusp aren't going to get the recognition they should or deserve. I think things like the New York Times are going to stand and be the pillars of time. I think you're going to see especially when it comes to journalism more organizations fade away because there's such a rush to get out there that maybe they misstep. And when it comes to journalism, I mean, either you're doing all, and I say journalism in this sense, you're doing all Kim Kardashian and feeding the beast of what they want, TMZ style and things like that, or you're trying to do the higher end. If you try and go in the middle ground right now, I think 
you're going to get lost because there's the am I feeling the need to get it out there first? And if I'm feeling the need to get it out there first and still be considered a respected journalism organization, there's going to be missteps. There's going to be mistakes. Right. I mean, we've seen. Do I have with, all the facts. Right. Do I have yeah. It, we've seen it with CNN even. Always. You know, there's, there's a rush always. to get it out there. Yes. The highest of the high. All right. so. is, is I think with that being said, I think that's why. Um, something that I'm trying to move into, into into doing the wall too is some you know higher end maybe like magazine sports styles pieces that you might see in other places because that focus on stories in the city but going a little bit more in depth that's actually the next level of what I really want to do that's the kind of journalism I've always wanted to do so you know and, and Kenton I don't know if you remember but when we had Adam Lefko on the podcast it was really interesting because he does sports and he talks about how he can kind of almost he, he reads like politics and things like that because mm-hmm. sports is his job so it's not as heavy as he described it so he can kind of process some of that heavy stuff whereas somebody who's maybe a police officer or a firefighter doesn't want to go home and read about more heavy stuff right um, but but he said that when it comes to doing some feature stories those are the ones that hit home he got a message from somebody who a year later was saying how you know I still remember the story you did about my son it was great I just got a story if this was something that was almost an, you know um, routine to me but I did a story and I, and I remember it because this guy caught my attention and it was we were just doing a last minute Christmas shopping story and he was out there shopping for a diamond for his wife and at the end of it he just said Merry Christmas Rosalie and it was just such a way that it was so genuine and there was every ounce of love that that man had was in that statement and it's just weird how you can convey that sometimes well anyway I got a message on Facebook from somebody who watched that story this year he passed away shortly after Christmas and they recorded that episode of that that newscast that story and they're gonna they watch it every year now around Christmas to remember him and like they reached out to me and told me that I'm gonna be a part of their family so things like that it's just weird and most of the time it doesn't come from last minute Shopping stories, you know, but mm-hmm. you never know where it's going to come from. No, you don't. And feature stories, things like that. Being that connection, having that connection it, to people. Everything we do in broadcast affects someone. It's amazing. You know what? I didn't. I didn't. I had a similar story that I didn't realize would have ever affected that way. I did a story um, for Nets Daily a couple years ago. I did a feature on Jeffrey Gamblera. Oh Rest yeah, of soul, of course. Passed away. And I did it because he was just so, had so much energy. And I walked up to him one just day. Just for the yeah, people who ahead. don't know, a little background. Uh, Jeffrey uh, Gamblero was a graffiti artist. Yep. Um, and a huge Nets fan. Um, he was really connected to Five Points. If you don't know Five Points, check that out. It was a, a graffiti mecca. And there's a whole story there when that documentary comes out someday. Yep. Um, but really beloved by the Nets. He was crazy. He, he was a season ticket holder, would be down there wearing... Oh. He would wear a Nets jersey, which for those who don't know, the Nets jerseys are usually black or white. And then he's got a usually an electric, some kind of color Neon, t-shirt. So you couldn't miss him in the crowd, no. beloved by the fan base over there. So anyway, he passed away. And, he, and I, I met him at a net, I think when I first started working for Nets Daily. He actually knew who I was, which I was just like, okay. And then we, we started talking. I, told, I, I think the second year I was working for Nets Daily, I said, hey... I want to do something on like the fans here, and I'm going to feature. They have, they have some unique fans for the Nets. They really have some unique fans around the arena, and I decided to feature him. Awesome. And he did, and I shot a, a piece with him. Like basically, a whole game was against the Pistons, and I did these interviews with him, and it was came out really good. And you know, he passed away, um, obviously over a little bit over a year ago. And I've had so many people watch that video more than. And have reached out to me the same thing. Hey, thanks for doing this video for wow. for him because they watch it too in his tribute. And and that I never thought making that that this would last or or have this kind of impact right. on somebody. But that makes me feel good that even through his tragic passing, he still was his memories able to live on as his great energy. Yeah, yeah. his energy. Yeah. He had a great energy as a fan. And like that, like you said, Joe, in that moment you had with the guy buying the diamond, there were things he said and stuff when I interviewed him in the sound bites. And I remember when I was cutting it, I was like, oh, this is just great. Like these these are great moments. And I think that video really captured his energy. Sometimes in school they tell you to look for those characters when you're out reporting. And the thing is mm. sometimes to the characters that we find, I find most often are the people who are in public what most people are in home at home. <laughs> 
there are things they're afraid, oh, I'm going to misstep on something. And I've, I've actually, this is one thing that I wrestle with with my wife right now is because I we are, are stupid and crazy sometimes together. And I'm like, listen, I'm in front of the public. I owe it to be honest. I mean, today I posted a picture on Instagram of her love notes to me, which were describing how smelly I was and how, how I need to, have, just to remind, a note to self, you, need, you smell really bad. And I put this, it gets more likes on Instagram than any real thing that I put out there. But you know what? That is real. Like and that. these characters that we describe them on almost describing them as that is almost a disservice because they're more real we're more most people are more characters in public trying to be reserved and hide right. their true yep. personalities right. you end up being than the pe- right you're more of a character than, than they, they are. are I like that so um, I, I, I just really appreciate that authenticity and that that genuineness that makes people what they are along the way. Absolutely. So that's fantastic. And you know what? With the Jeffrey Gamble Arrow story, the other thing is too. You see, you see how much somebody meant to other people. Yeah. And it's nice when you can bring to life. Sorry for no pun intended there, but I couldn't think of a better word. But the spirit of someone to bring it to the masses when it's just a quick second or a few minutes through a camera and a television or a computer screen, or whatever that case may be. Yeah. Uh, that that That's what makes this so powerful. And so powerful, amazing. yeah. No, absolutely. I think yeah. what I liked when I was doing that was that I had no limit on it. I could have had, I don't remember how long that piece was. Maybe it was four minutes, but I had no limit on it. Um, and I love that. tell his story. Yeah, I could tell a story, and that made me say... I want to start doing more longer form stories like this. And that's that's eventually what we hope to start doing in backpack broadcasting. So that being said, the time frame I think is something that's really interesting. Because when it comes to traditional broadcast media, mm-hmm. be it news, be it a program, there's a restraint of you have to fill X amount of time, but you can only fill X amount of time mm-hmm. also. So be it a slow news day, you still have to fill the hour newscast that you have. Or for many stations throughout the country, the 21 hours of news a week, seven hours a day that you have to fill, or 24-hour news stations, even on slow news days. So you end up creating the news, so to speak, remake things, stories that maybe wouldn't be otherwise. But at the same time, yeah, but at the same time, the opposite is true. I mean, maybe not so much for the 24-hour news stations, but for the traditional, you know, networks that you're used to. If it's a busy news day, a lot of times it's like, oh, well, we have to fit this in to X amount of time. So your producer sends out a note that says, I need everybody, every reporter's package to be a minute 10 today or a minute and a half, whatever. Depends mm-hmm. on the station where you're at. Um, so that, that changes. So how do you find the Internet affects that? And do you think people kind of maybe take too much advantage of the endless amount of time that you have? I used to worry about that when I first started doing this on my own. So I'm doing stuff myself. I used to be like, oh, man, is this too long? Is this too short? Um, and you're worrying about attention span? Or yeah, just, okay. because you always would hear that. And I guess it comes from like being in news stations. And even when I worked at The Post, because that was the first video journalism job I had, and I was working on- online. And I remember a producer I had there would always tell me, like, always oh, cut it down, be shorter, be shorter. But sometimes I would fight with him on bites and be like, no, this is good. <laughs> and, and we should keep this. And, you know, um, I struggle with that. And I, I think now I'm more free of that. Mm. I'm going to go with what I think is the best thing and put it out there. Obviously, when you work for certain companies, you can't do that. But for myself, I'll go with what I think is the best. I don't try to give things too long. I think it depends on the piece. You can feel what it should be about. I never heard a person tell me that Jeffrey Gamblero piece, which I thought was very good, was too long. Right. Um, I, I think it all depends on the piece, and you have to have a feel of it. I How think long so, was it? I think it was about four minutes, if I'm... Four? Yeah, maybe it's about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. I think it's yeah. interesting. I, I'm somebody who, especially early on in my career, and you'll probably find this at some point, that... And some people never get over this, but you get married to things because it's yours, and you craft mm-hmm. it, and you have an idea in your head. And I always try and put that version together and then go back and say, okay, let me, let me listen to this as a viewer, watch it and be like, all right, I don't need this, I don't need that. But still, I think sometimes it's hard for people to do that. That's probably the hardest thing to do. I think it is. So to have somebody else to watch that is, is a big thing, you know, I, to, that you trust. Yeah. And they say, oh, no, don't touch it. And that was the biggest thing. If you have somebody who once says to me, no, that was great, don't touch it, then I'll go to them every single time because I trust them that, all right, this was an editorial thing because yeah. of the photog. I always have to look at something or whatever I do twice. The first time I watch it, 
I couldn't tell you what the story was about. Okay. Because all I'm looking at is the mm. way it was shot, shot. The way everything uh. was composed. You know, so for me, I think that's different. Interesting. I, I, I always look at it from the viewer's perspective. I imagine myself sitting on my couch, if I'm not on my couch already. And <laughs> Let's be honest. And he's usually <laughs> on his couch. <laughs> and that's how I watch it. And then so, a lot of times I have to rewind it and watch it again to see, figure out, okay, now what were they talking about? That's interesting. Because, I, I, you know, obviously I'm probably more with Joe on this that from the journalistic point of view. And I always look at everything I do twice. But it's very, it's, very, yeah. it's very hard. I almost have to, if I'm doing something longer form, I almost will step away from it. For, I'm talking about for a while, maybe a day or two. If I don't have the rush to put it out, right. I'll take a couple of days away from it and then look at it. Because that I think sense. what happens is that you are too married in the moment. But when you're doing news, you know this from when you're doing daily news, you got to put something out real quickly. Oh, you gotta, yeah. You're like, yeah, I got to get this out. I got to make sure my stand-up was right, my, my sound bites were cool, and we got to go. So it's, it's different. But when you're working on your own thing, I think it's nice to step away from it from a little bit. And look back and then see how you feel. I try to think about how other people feel about it. Or like you said, give it to someone you trust. Mm. Because I just spoke to somebody yesterday. I was telling her about these uh, things, these longer form pieces I'm trying to do. And she's really into film. and She does a lot of writing and stuff. I said, listen, I'm going to give you stuff to watch. Because she's actually not into sports. Oh, okay. But I trust her opinion on shot composition, the way things are. So I said, hey, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to be sending you stuff to watch. And you tell me how you feel about it. And if it captures her, then you know you did a good job. Right, if she's into sports. She's a good friend of mine, but she's not a sports fan. Yeah. Right. If they get me into Real Housewives, they've done a great job. Nene? Nene? If you get converted, let me know. <laughs> Will do. I'll send you that episode. No, but but you're totally right. And that's a great... I mean, in on a day-to-day in journalism, you don't get that time to step away a, a lot. But you know what? When it comes to sweep spaces, maybe you do. And, and yeah. one of the things is you live that moment. So sometimes you might have a memory from a moment that was great because you were there and living in it, but it doesn't come across the same way mm-hmm. in the way it was shot or in the way it came mm-hmm. through the camera. But sometimes other moments come across as hysterical or deep or just so meaningful in ways that you didn't realize in the moment. So you kind of have to let them both play together. Definitely. That's where you come in, Kenton, and you got to be like, hey, this this played really well. Check this out. Yeah. yeah. Check this out. I, I, I did the color bars to bookmark this. <laughs> those are shortcut tips. We'll get to it in another podcast. Those, those who that might be a different language. Well. <laughs> um, anyway, so... You know, Dexter, what were some of the um, the best tools that you have right now? What what do you go to on a regular basis that maybe people don't realize is out there? Something that, that might be different that you can say, hey, if, if there's an app, if there's, you know, a piece of equipment, you mentioned yeah. the camera that you bought, something that's really valuable on a day-to-day basis that if somebody's got maybe the 20 bucks, 50 bucks, go, go invest in this because it's worth in, it. Go invest in and, and do it. You know, it's funny. When you, when you think about... Uh, about camera equipment and stuff. None of it's really cheap. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there are good lower end cameras that you can get. So I'm going to talk about cameras for a second. Um, I had I recommend to a couple students to get a Canon XA25. That's a nice, good lower end camera. I personally shoot daily, mostly on a Panasonic HMC 150 okay. that I love. That's my baby. I, I can't do anything literally without it. Um, so I think that's really I think that's really a, a good thing. For those who can't see this on the video right now, if you're listening on the podcast, the way his eyes lit up, it was like there was a pinup or something. Maybe he looked at a penthouse centerfold when he was talking about the camera. I don't know if I find, find it that sexy. <laughs> well, Maybe. It, it was, was definitely pretty, pretty sexy. I don't, I don't know if Marguerite will be happy about that. <laughs> saying that but. Listen, if her main competition is a camera, she doesn't really have anything has to no worry chance. about. Oh, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, oh, wait know. a minute. Right here. <laughs> it was the wine. It was the Malbec. That statement. No, but anyway. I, I would have to say that. I'm trying to think if there's anything uh, smaller that I use. Um, right now, that's really good. But I would say ma- mainly that. I've, obviously, my MacBook. I can't. That, that's right. the other thing. I, I couldn't live without that. I do my editing. I use that for my switcher, for my productions. Um, I do edit on Final Cut Pro. I also know how to edit on Premiere. Um, 7 it. or X? X. I'm, I switched over to X last year. Okay. Um, I know some people don't like it. I've liked it. I think it's pretty good. It grew on yeah. me. Yeah. Grew on me. I'm, I'm the same way. I, yeah. you know, I think there was a little bit of a, again, a learning curve. So if you're right. willing to learn, maybe yeah. that's the common denominator here. Sure. But if you're willing to learn something new, I say that X is 
uh, it, it makes some of the complicated things a lot easier to do. There yes. are some of the really, really complicated right. things that you really can't do the yes. same way that you could in 7 or you can in programs like uh, Adobe Premiere, uh, Premiere mm-hmm. or even in, um, what's the other one? I don't think, Avid, thank Avid. you, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Um, yeah, so, so, but if you're, especially for news, when you're trying yeah. to get something out there, yeah. it makes some, you can do some really cool things in a short, short amount of time, time with the way they and do I it like, there. I think the work, they made the workflow better. That's one thing I like about it. I right. think the workflow's a little better with X. I got used to it. It was a struggle at first. I actually was forced to because the, I had seven on another computer and that, it crashed. Uh, and I lost and the stopped, problem. Yeah, stopped. so yeah. it was all like, all right, it's time to do it. And I could have went to Premiere too, which I also have too, but yeah, man, that's... You know, and, that, great. and one of the things that I, I usually try to tell people who are either breaking in this business or if they've taken any of the classes that I've taught before, uh, it's that don't be afraid of an editing software because for the most part, there are a lot of similarities. Maybe the yep. the cut buttons might be a different command, you know, to mark your in and mark your out might be something different to, you know, lay something down on the timeline might be different. Oh, but well, for the insert, most part, so, if you yeah. know the basics and the concepes, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. You know, you'll learn it the same way you learn to type. You yeah. know, it comes along very quickly. We're just creatures of habit. Right. It's, you know, I think, we, I think we like, and I, I felt that way too, going from 7 to X. I yeah. was like, oh, I like it like this and all the shortcuts. You know yes. what I mean? And then I'm like, I had to change. Certain things change, but it's the same stuff. Yeah. Completely. You know I mean? So don't be scared of it. It yeah. might take a little bit of a learning curve, but spend your weekend with it, and and by by the end of a week, I would say you'll probably be on on top of anything. You know what? You asked for what was a good guide or something I used yeah. um, when I was transitioning to that. I I just looked at a lot of YouTube tutorials yes. and uh-huh. Lynda.com. Shout out to Linda. Lynda.com. They are great. They have a, they teach any program you want to learn in like video software. That's a good site for it. Awesome. Um, you can learn. It's a they charge a subscription, but it's. But it's yeah. worth the investment. Oh, it's worth it. Exactly. Because it'll, especially if you just, it, they break it down into like intro classes and different things like that. So if you just need like a quick introduction, perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Can't bite that. Can't beat that. What advice would you give somebody breaking into the business right now? Breaking into the business right now. First thing I would say is, look, if you're coming out of college, do as much as you can in college to oh, learn about God, what I you can do. God, I say that all the time. Because you'll never get that time Bad again. Enough. Not you'll, just time, but we, you talked about how expensive camera cameras are. You get access to cameras yeah. there. And it's like, I remember, I mean, I did it. I was in college and I was like, oh, I don't want to go shoot this story right mm-hmm. now on this cam. I got to go rent a camera mm-hmm. from the cage and I got to give them my ID and then I got to go out and I actually have to shoot the story yep. with somebody else. God, I wish I had done that all the time. I wish I had gone and said, hey, I want to shoot this this weekend. Let's, let's be creative. Of, hey, hey, what can we go shoot? I, Let's just, I got a free camera I can I go to Fast forward. Yeah. Somebody give you oh a camera. God, exactly. do, do more. Be more creative because you'll never have that time again. Create your own show if you want to. Create your own podcast if you want to. Then There's no time like you ever had in college. Going into something Joe said, I will also bring up. If you can save money to start buying equipment, do it. Yeah. If, even if it's a MacBook, if it's a small camera, do it. So you have more access to do stuff on your own. And this is for any career field within Rome. Yeah, yeah, any career you're field. You're going to have to buy something. Right. That, that's you know? one of the things I tell my students, St. Francis, and a couple kids that have graduated have done that and came back to me and said, they come back to me, hey, Dex, what camera should I buy? Yeah. But I've told them, like, hey, and it, because I'm like, this will help you. Eat. This is yes. gold right now. I'm yeah. honestly right now. I I I wish somebody had told me this me when too. I was in school. Oh, me too, because I would I would have been better coming out at 22. Uh, and I I would put it like this. I would have started backpack broadcasting earlier. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean. Mm. But everything happens for a reason. That's right. True. <laughs> True. And we do we have. But my thing. If would we be, knew then what we know now. Invest in yourself in time and buying equipment. That's yeah. my biggest advice because it will set you up. And my other last piece of advice is, um, somebody actually told me this in the industry a while ago, and that was. Look for any opportunity that comes your way, and if you think it's going to take you to where you need to go, take advantage of that opportunity. Mm. Even if the job is not exactly what you think it's going to do, mm. try to look at it that way. Because one of the best jobs I ever had, in my opinion, not the, it wasn't probably the, the greatest job in the world to work, but I would consider it maybe the most important job I had was being a game night editor at MLB.com. I became a quicker editor, faster editor. There were some amazing guys that worked with it that knew a lot of stuff, and that's where I just learned so much about editing. Um, and that was a great job. I worked a lot of crazy hours, but it was a great job. So take advantage of any opportunity that can come your way. All right. I think that's a big piece of advice for reporters or aspiring reporters. Reporters. Yeah. You know, the ones that are here doing their internship, maybe got a, a, a part-time gig here, but then something opened up in Wisconsin or someplace. Mm-hmm. Oh, for now, sure. do I leave New York 
to go to Wisconsin. It might, some, yeah, or in another department, even if it's like news and you want to really do sports. Right. Um, sometimes you never know where that avenue is going is going to take you. If it's an opportunity to do what you need to do, take advantage of it. Yeah, and if you get in a place and you, it might not be the job that you wanted specifically, but if you prove that you can do good work and that they can trust you and you're reliable, they'll give you more opportunities. opportunities. Absolutely. And when those positions open up, I mean, you'll have already made your reputation there yep. to get to get something and and but make but also I would say make your intentions known because if you sometimes you get in a position where yes you don't mm-hmm. want to get pigeonholed you get in a position and they only think of you as that position so make it known from day one and take advantage of every opportunity when you're in there it's a lot it, the same way I wish I had done things in college I did do things when I was at my first station to take advantage of opportunities whether it was produce so that producing led led me to anchoring the morning newscast because I had to produce that newscast. Uh, so that got me on the anchor desk. We started a sports show while we were down there called the Cape Fear Sports Report where, you know, the, the guy I was working with, it was his baby. He started it as a, uh, as a magazine that was similar to what you're talking about. It was high school sports. It was uh, local sports. And then he said, well, let's turn this into a TV show. And he ended up buying the airtime from the station that we were at, and we would put together the sports show. I mean, it was a labor of love, but we would put together the sports show to air on that station on the weekend. That's how you started anchoring. And yeah, and that helped with the anchor experience. And then, oh my God, that helped with things like this too, because what did we do? All right, we're here at Burger Bistro right now. (laughs) We started shooting our, our show at one of the local bars down there, Hell's Kitchen, and it was a sports bar, and they loved to have us. We would be in there before they opened sometimes, you know, just talking about the weekend sports that was for high school sports down there. So, yeah, there's definitely different opportunities and everything. You're going to learn skills. Appreciate those yep. opportunities yeah. and learn the skills you don't know. Make your weaknesses your strengths when you're in there. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what are some of the things that you like right now? What inspires you? What are mm. the, the people that you look up to? What are the stories you're reading, shows you're watching? right now and I'm sure there's not much time for a lot of that no I I fit it in Uh, I think I get inspired from like so many different things man like from music to shows to other people in my field doing stuff I get inspired one of the things I would say that inspires me the most for journalism is seeing other people do what they love and create their own thing like I did so this show yeah Uh appreciate that thank you appreciate it and Um, right back at you it does when I see that I think it's great I think it gives uh, people younger than us uh, the courage to go forward and do that. I think that's I think that's definitely in, in, inspiring. Um, as far as like, t- I love diff- watching different TV shows, and I think I take a lot of what I do in my work from film and different TV TV shows that I like, whether it's old or new. I get inspired by musical artists. Uh, nice, like who? I'm a huge fan of Kendrick Lamar. Okay, uh, he's my favorite artist right now. I think, and and, and uh, Jay Cole are two of my favorite rappers Jay right Cole's now. Good. Yep. I like them because. It's kind of a lot about what we're talking about. They've broken out of the mold and the box mm-hmm. of what people think hip hop is, and they've put their product out in a certain way. And it, and I find that and they very stuck inspiring. With it. They stuck they with stuck it. Stuck with yeah, it. Yeah, and and they didn't go the traditional way, and so that's very inspirational. To, inspirational to me. We talk about the rejection that comes along with this mm-hmm. business. Every job oh. you don't mm-hmm. get, every person who says oh, you don't man. look the right way. So you got to be ready to shake off the haters. To borrow borrow from. <laughs> Taylor Swift here yeah. to shake it off. <laughs> gotta shake it off. I <laughs> mean, if, if I never shook it off, yeah. I never would have even started Backpack Broadcasting. Even when that company told me, hey, you can't do this in our time, I still found an opportunity to make it. So you have to just believe in yourself in the process. And people are going to tell you no. They never gave me an opportunity right. there, but other people have, and they saw it. Awesome. You know, I, I feel really bad because, uh, you know, Dexter hasn't taken more than three bites of his burger since okay. we've been here because no, we had him talking know, the whole time. Bread. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> even though the burger is, is kind of cold, it's still good. Like, I fin- I finished mine a long time ago, but I was very interested. It's nice that he was willing to tell us some stories and talk us through it while we got here. Kenton's done. I'm done. 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 He's been filling the airtime for us, so we just, really appreciate that. That's that. Joe way of, Joe's way of saying that I try to kind of put it down that he wasn't that hungry, but he was hungry. No, yeah, he was totally hungry. hungry. <laughs> Listen, uh, just... I, I want to wrap up here by how can people find you, find yeah. Backpack Broadcasting if they're interested, social media, you know, Facebook. What do you suggest? Yeah, uh, you can uh, come to BackpackBroadcasting.com. That is our website. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Bag Broadcaster. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram at Backpack Broadcasting. Um, you can find us on Periscope as well, too. 
under Backpack Broadcasting. So with everywhere, if you are in charge of a league, a sports team, you have an event that you want to be streamed live, contact us, backpackbroadcasting2010 at gmail.com. Awesome. and support this podcast. You guys need to. <laughs> Thank you so much. And of course, for no all the listeners, all the viewers out there, we'll put the information up on the website. It's bibmedia.tv, B-I-B, media.tv. That's for Born in Brooklyn, of course. Uh, I want to thank, obviously, Burger Bistro for having us here. The burger, two million types of ways, so you can definitely make your own. If anybody wants anything between two pieces of bread, lettuce, or, or nothing, I guess it's you can here. you can find it here. Uh, Dexter, man, thanks so much for being with thanks us for today. Me, guys. We really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Please appreciate check it, him out. Yep. And, of course, head over to the website. We'll have all the information. For Broadcasting in Black and White, as always, I'm Joe Masiri. Thanks for listening, guys, or watching this time. Ah.